It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. And with me in the KFG studio is my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Well, 529 plans have traditionally been thought of and used as college sa- as a college savings account. And thanks to recent law changes, the 529 plan is now more versatile as a tax shelter to use as a tool in your financial plan. So what are the ways that you can best use the 529 plan? That and more coming up in this episode of the Wise Money Show. Wise Money Show is a show about financial planning and and how you can take and should take a comprehensive approach looking at all six areas of your financial life to make great financial decisions. The 529 plan, knowing how it can be used, how some of those uh, these these law changes have impacted that. Oh gosh, we're excited about it. We're, we're geeks, but we're going to help you with it today. If you have questions for the show or you have any needs yourself, we're here to help. Call or text 574 574- 222 that's 574-222-2000, online at wisemoneyshow.com or all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. All right, guys, uh, we're talking about the 529 plan and, and the various ways that you can use it, not just for college anymore, but uh, just real quick, I feel like I probably know this answer, but did you guys, did, did your folks set money aside, save any money for you for college? And if so, what type of account? <laughs> Not a dollar, Mike. Not a dollar? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you got to have that dollar before you can save that it, dollar. Got it. Understood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my family is a little different than Josh was. We were very wealthy. And uh, <laughs> so what my folks did is they had a $5,000 whole life policy that they put money into. And I think when I was 25... Uh, they gave it to me, and I think there was about 500 bucks in it. Nice. So, see, big difference. But that was back when 500 bucks was like a million, wasn't it? <laughs> it's right. a, today's equivalent of 2.5 billion. <laughs> <laughs> that was like full ride, grad school, and down payment on your first house. That's no, right. Mike, that's a, that is a kind of a silly question because that was back when it seemed like no one had any money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was before we separated uh, the the you know back then money was attached to something so you actually had to have something representing value connected to the money other than just the paper itself and now in the in the growth of fiat yeah uh, so yeah, you you did different. GI bill I had the GI bill so I because my dad when it came time all I ever wanted to do was go in the army and kill the bad guys and so when it came time I was seventeen I'm like dad I want to sign up but I need your signature. And he said, well, I don't think you should do it. I'm not going to sign. I'm like, okay, well, on my 18th birthday, I'm going to go sign up for myself. And he said, <laughs> uh, okay, I'll sign. But he's like, no, we'll figure it out. I'm like, Dad, how are you going to pay for my college? Because yeah. I haven't been working my tail off and saving money to pay for college. And you and Mom don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a rich life. I'm not complaining. We, we, it, was, it was wonderful. But it just it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't. Uh, a bunch of extra money laying around yeah. to say, hey, uh, is there anything you want to do, like go to college uh, that we can pay for, or, you know, something like that. Different different times. It was a different time. And back then, it was a little easier, theoretically, to work your way through college. Yep. You know, if you, if you worked your tail off during the summer, yeah. you could save up a lot of what you were going to need for tuition the next semester or whatever. Well, see, and so Josh has taken us back. So it, it, I graduated, I went to school from 89 to 93, 
But you're absolutely right, Josh. You could work hard during the summer, save money, and hard during the school year and get just a little bit of help and get out of school with really no debt. So that was my program. My folks, uh, we were were blessed. My, my folks had a very different experience. Dad worked full-time college at night, took him nine, like eight or nine years. Hmm. Mom was able, only able to go to college because she got in a car accident. She was hit by a car and in a coma for two weeks, and they thought she was going to die. And when she came out, there was a, a little insurance money. Hmm. And my grandparents, instead, of, they had no money. And I, I, I wouldn't have made this decision, but they said, we're going to, you know, our, we'll send our, our daughter to college with that money. So, but my folks then, they saved up for my college, my brother's college. But I, I paid for, I worked in the summer hard and I worked during the school year. And so I didn't use a lot of that money and they were kind enough to, to bless me with it when I graduated. And so the type of account they used was something called an UTMA, Mm -hmm. a Uniform Transfer to Minors Act, I think is Mm -hmm. what it stands for. UTMA, UGMA, very similar. And those used to be the college accounts. They're terrible for college. (laughs) They they were not meant for college. In fact, some of the rules with, with these are uh, as soon as that child turns 18, it's, it's their money. It's legally their money. And the way most parents get around that is they don't give this statement to the to the child. So the child has no idea it exists. Right. There's no tax sheltering. There's no tax benefits with this. And sure, it gives you a lot of flexibility, but no no more flexibility than just an individual or joint account. Yeah. So. You know, it, this is such a big deal. And it's kind of personal for me. I just had a conversation with one of my middle schoolers. Uh, he, he was asking... Dad, how am I going to pay for college? <laughs> and I'm like, good question, son. That's right. Get to work yep. there, bucko. No, he, he's like, I got to save up for a car and insurance. And how do you pay for college? All this. I only make so much money. And he's only in middle school. And I'm mm. just glad that he's learning how to work. Right. But yeah. already he's thinking about, wow, that seems like a big deal. And he asked the question, well, do I really need to go to college? And that might be a topic for another show, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How do you make sure that college is a great investment? But if you're going, how do you pay for it? And 529 plans haven't been around forever. It wasn't a thing, really, yeah. back when your parents were saving. So I, I don't know. I'm glad that we're unpacking this on this show. Okay, so so without a doubt, if you're saving up for college, our preferred, our favorite type of account to save up into is a 529 plan. It's not perfect. We're going to hit some of the the drawbacks later in the show, some of the limitations. But speaking of limitations, they've actually expanded the ways that you can use a 529 plan in your financial life. There's actually four four uses for a 529 plan. Now, it's not just for college. We're going to go through all four of those. The first one, though, is the obvious one, and that is for college. So, so guys, let's first just level the playing field. How does the 529 plan work? How does it work for college? What are some of the tax benefits, all that sort of stuff? Well, Mike, what you do is you take after-tax money, so think money in my checking account, and you contribute it to a 529 plan. That money grows tax-deferred, potentially tax-free, if you use it for the right purpose. And one of the amazing things that they've done from the beginning of this plan is they've 
increased the various uses of the plan. Yeah. yeah. And so this this to me makes the case, and this is maybe a little tangent, but this makes the case that you should diversify what your the tax shelters that you're funding and find a way to kind of fill up at least in, from a minimum perspective, but fill up these buckets because you never know when they're going to change. You never know when they're going to come out and some uh, brilliant politician is going to put in there that if you've had it for 15 years, <laughs> you can take uh, 529 plan money and put it into a Roth IRA. And yeah, we're going to hit that. So we're we're going to hit a lot of things, and because uh, this is this is not a show about rules, Mike. It's a show about planning. Just to remind you. <laughs> so when you, <laughs> well, let's clarify some rules here. <laughs> yes, because you alluded to the fact that. If you use it properly, then you can pull money out of that 529 plan after it's grown for years and years, and it can be completely tax-free. Totally tax-free. But if if the first use, the original use, the original purpose of a 529 plan was to save for college, yes. what are qualified college expenses? It's things like tuition and fees and room and board, as long as you're at least a half-time student. So you can't be taking one class, right. hanging out in the dorms, and think that uh, the dorms are a, a qualified expense there. But they've even added over the years, you know, things like a computer for school. Yep. Um, you know, your your books and supplies, as long as they're supplies that are required for the class. It's can't be party supplies. Software, some internet <laughs> access as well. These yeah. are qualified expenses. There's a couple expenses that almost every college student has that are not qualified. And one of those is transportation. Earlier in my career, I got actually a pretty compelling argument. Uh, a, a client of mine, oldest child was going to school at Arizona State in northern Indiana is actually a pretty far distance from <laughs> Arizona State. So, hey, it's required. I've got to get my child there. So can I pull the plane ticket money out of this? And no, you can't. And the other is medical insurance, health insurance, but a lot of these schools add a a um, a health care sort of cost to it. They have a- access to the to the health clinic and that's not a qualified expense as well. What are more of the qualified expenses and what are more of the use cases for the 529 plan? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. There are four different ways that you can use the 529 plan in your financial life. And yes, uh, three of them are related to education, but there's one that isn't, and it's brand new. We're going to help you with all that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, go and search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it or follow us there and rate the program. We appreciate that. All right, so yeah, there's you can use the 529 plan. Kevin actually proposed that we talk about the 529 uses of the 529 plan, but no one would have listened to that, and we wouldn't be able to fit it into an hour. So we're going to stick with the top four, and the first one's obvious, and that is using it for college. Now, there's more than just that, but let's still get through some of those rules. So we said that it's after-tax money that goes into the 529 plan, so you don't get a a federal tax benefit or a deduction like you would maybe a 401k. All the investment activities tax sheltered and growth, whenever that comes back to the markets, uh, is is kind of um, tax deferred. And then if you withdraw that growth for a qualified educational expense, which would be tuition, room and board, computer, books, those sorts of things, 
then that growth comes out tax-free. Mm-hmm. What else do we need to know about the 529 plan and how it works for college? I think a lot of people wonder, um, does it matter what state my kid is going to school in? Because the, the interesting thing about 529 mm-hmm. plans, this is um, it's a section of the federal tax code. But it basically sets this up so that the states can create their own 529 plans as a tax shelter for kind of pre-planning or pre-paying for for your college expenses. And my understanding is all 50 states have one, at least one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So everyone has adopted this. But if you set up a 529 plan in your own home state, does that mean your kids have to go to that, that state school? And if they're using a... Um, a 529 plan to just build up savings, and it's not a prepaid type of a plan. The the truth is, you can go to any school, yeah, as long as it's a a qualified, you know, they college or university. Yeah, they participate in the FAFSA program essentially. So that is one of the other uh, requirements for your withdrawal to be considered qualified. Is it's got to be used for a qualified expense at a qualified institution, and that is a school that participates in the, the uh, that has a federal ID number, uh, the FAFSA system. I got it. There's just a few. Now, that is an interesting thing to highlight, Josh, is that uh, back in the day when these first came out, the different states had different sponsors, if you will. So your investment choices per state were different. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of advisors that use the Virginia College Savings Plan because that had American funds and that was um, was a good fund family to just get money uh, mm-hmm. invested. Now, if you invest, if you lived in Indiana and you invested in the Virginia plan, you got the tax-deferred and tax-free benefits on, uh, as it grew and as it came out, but you didn't get any benefit putting the money in because mm-hmm. you didn't live in Virginia. You lived in Indiana, and Indiana didn't have a compelling. Uh, first of all, they didn't have a compelling investment lineup, but they didn't have a compelling incentive to use their plan. Right. Mm-hmm. So the federal laws that Josh laid out of after-tax money in, tax-sheltered activity and growth, and then tax-free withdrawals uh, for qualified use. That's those are federal laws. States, as they adopt their plan, not all, but some. I don't. I wouldn't say many, but I, some offer a state benefit mm-hmm. if you use that state's plan. And, um, and and that makes sense because they're trying to encourage their citizens, their residents to save up for college and overall, you know, elevate the the population, you know. And um, in northern Indiana, they call it the brain drain, where everyone, you know, leaves and um, and doesn't return. So the mm-hmm. educated folks. So the so in Indiana in 2007, late 2007, I remember by accident, actually, Kevin was going to be interviewed on TV and we were kind of looking at, all right, college planning and some of the um, laying out some of the, I don't know, approaches to take. And we found this little paragraph that in the Indiana laws that said, starting that next year, there was going to be a 20% state tax credit on the first five grand that you contribute to the Indiana plan. Now you've got to pay Indiana state tax. Otherwise that tax credit means nothing Mm -hmm. to you. Um, But that is an unbelievable tax benefit. Yeah, Indiana, I would say, offers the best. It's now twenty percent on the first seventy five hundred you contribute. That's that's exactly right. 
when a financial advisor hears the word tax credit, they start salivating immediately because yeah. it is dollar for dollar a reduction on your tax bill. So a 20% credit on the first $7,500 means you could have up to $1,500 just knocked right off of your tax bill on that state return. Yeah. So we love bragging about Indiana and the incentives that they've put in place. Yeah, so think Indiana state tax, not the county tax. Because yeah. if you live in Indiana, you know that your county tax is a component of that as well. But just to give you a quick contrast, in Michigan, it's not a credit. It's a deduction. Mm -hmm. In Illinois, it's a deduction. And in Michigan, if you got the deduction this year, you can't pull money out to... Right. You, it's a, it's a, your deductions on your net contribution. So whatever you contribute and but then withdraw, it's the net amount that and you And it's the not on. that way in Indiana. That's Correct. the sweet thing about the Indiana plan. So this is this is where, because there are really two ways to do it. There's the, the go it alone 529 plan, and you um, it's less expensive. Um, and then there's the, uh, I'd I call it the advice-free 529 plan or the advisor 529 plan. Yeah. And the reason why, and people say, well, why would I ever pay for this if I can do it myself? Um, because most folks just can't do it themselves. And it's not that it's that hard. It's just, I don't know if you've ever gone from one year to the next, and then you go and you sit with your accountant, and they say, do you, did you do your 529 plan contribution last year? And you say, yeah, of course I did. And they say, well, I'm looking at the records, and there's no evidence that you did. And you're like, well, I, thought, I meant to. <laughs> I thought it was last year. And like, oh, that was two years ago. Oh, shoot. So you don't get the credit. Uh -huh. yeah. And so that, and you think, well, would that ever happen? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind also, it's not just the administrative process of setting up the 529 plan and making sure it gets funded and remembering to, to keep contributing and everything. Also, this is an investment vehicle. And, you know, everything that you were saying earlier, Mike, about the tax shelter that, that this represents, to me, it just screams over and over, you got to get started early with something like this. Yeah. Because every tax shelter, what they all have in common, the longer the money can be setting in the pot simmering, the better it's all going to work out for you. And so if you've got young children getting going just a small amount each month, contributing to this account, and then choosing wisely with the investments, and that's often what people lean on the financial advisors for, it's how, how do I pick the right investments? A lot of these 529 plans actually have um, almost like a, an autopilot feature to it when it comes to the investments. Many of them have what they call target enrollment date funds, which basically says, we're going to invest this money uh, up to a certain date out there in the future, which is meant to line up with when the kid's going to college. Yeah. And so early on, these funds are more aggressive. And as they get closer to that start date for college, they kind of wind down the amount of debt. And that might sound like a perfect, easy tool. It may or may not be the right approach for you. Maybe a more custom structure would be appropriate. But this is why 529 plans, they fit in the overall financial planning process. It needs to be something that you're working on with your CFP so you know what is the right amount to be saving, what are the tax benefits I could be taking advantage of, and how do I invest it wisely along the way? I, normally, with in, in, the, in the majority of circumstances, don't love target date funds for retirement. Retirement is going to take decades for you to save up into, and it will last decades. And 
Therefore, a, a target date, a prefab approach, just not a big fan of, maybe in, in some unique circumstances. For college savings, I'm a little more neutral or a little more open. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is there are IRS limitations on how frequently you can change your investments in the 529 plan. And if you change it too much, poof. All of the tax sheltering goes away. Yeah, great point. Wow. I can't even believe that is still a thing, and it is. Yeah. They've loosened it a little bit, but how frightening is that? And so something that has some automatic rebalancing and diversification in it, I, I like. But then second is, yes, you save up for college potentially over a couple decades, but that time's going to go by fast. And then you spend the money not over decades, but over a couple of years. And so something that will automatically ratchet the risk, I think, might help more people. All right. Using the 529 plan for college. Obvious. What are the other three ways? We've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 529 plan is actually more than just a college savings tool. You can use it for a few different things. In fact, one of the things that for my entire career said, nah, you can't use it for this. People would ask. You actually can now. So we're going to help you with that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Talking about the four different ways you can use a 529 plan. College is the obvious one, and we tried to hit a smattering of the rules, um, but I would, we would encourage you, just like Kevin did earlier, work with your CFP. It's far too often we're sitting down with new folks that say, hey, hey, I need to start working with a certified financial planner. They've got a six-year-old. They've been setting some money aside for college but not using their state's tax, uh, tax benefit um, via their own 529 plan. So work with the CFP. Make sure you're getting that advice and that guidance, that wisdom. So college is one. The second way that you can use a 529 plan is actually to pay for K through 12 educational expenses, primary school. So what are some of those rules, guys? Well, you can only use 10,000 per calendar year. And this is the this can be the thing that's kind of confusing because you, when do you incur the expense and when do you take the distribution from your plan? And those have to match up in a calendar year. Right. And so you have to take that out because I, when this came out in 2017, I was kind of relieved because I had a I had accumulated some money in a 529 plan as soon Here's a rule of thumb. As soon as your kids get born, uh, get going on that 529. You've said before, you're never more motivated to to save for that child's college education than when you're holding that child for the first time. Because mm-hmm. as you do that, and I've had that privilege three different times in my life, you just think of everything that you hope and want and pray for for that child. What's this little bundle of life? What's their life going to look like? Mm-hmm. And you want it to be better than mm-hmm. yours. You want it to have opportunities. And so, so yeah, get started saving right away. Completely agree. And so you can take $10,000 a year out. And so I've had clients that they're, they have a child that's born, and they say, well, do I need to do anything related to a 529 plan? Because there are grandparents who will likely want to be involved with the college funding. And you say, well, where do you want your kids to go to school? And if they say Stanley Clark, 
then you say, well, yeah, then start piling that money up. Because if you if your child is born uh, last year, you put 5000 in the Indiana 529 plan. Then this year you put 7500 in. And over time, you pile up some money because those $10,000 chunks are going to come out faster than the, the monies that you're putting in are giving you a credit. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's important because when you look at this, you want to know when you start funding this, what do you think it's going to look like? Because I can, I can. Here's what I can promise you: it's not going to look like what you think. But so, you, so you just start with a, a picture and you start funding toward that picture and structuring your investments to be in line with that picture, using mm-hmm. the five twenty nine uh, as one, likely one of the components. Again, depending on how many kids you have, but one of the components of your. Yeah, you're pointing to the fact that this is the 529 plan is a funding tool to help you achieve a goal. And your goals are in alignment. They should be in alignment with what you value most. And for some families, helping their kids fund college is just a top priority for them. Some parents will even place that ahead of their own retirement, just feeling like, uh, I'll play catch up or I'll I'll work until I die. I don't care. I'm going to make sure that my kid is well-educated and given every opportunity in, in life. I've had some clients that actually... Uh, favor a private uh, K through 12 education over college. Yep. And so now all of a sudden the 529 plan, because it can be a savings vehicle for that, um, it, it's a tool that's opened up to them. And it's interesting because some of them would say, you know what, I, I want to invest in my kids getting a Christian education K through 12, and then they're going to be on their own entirely for college. That's just a decision that they made as as parents. But the point is, uh, what you choose to direct dollars towards needs to be in alignment with what your values are. That's how you should be stating your your goals. And ultimately, your certified financial planner is there to help you just play the game well, you know, to go achieve those goals as well as you can. And just recognizing, yeah, 529 plan is now a tool that can be used for that K through 12 private education if that's what you choose to focus on. Yeah. There, and there are a couple things I'd point out with this. Number one is uh, this is this is an investing vehicle as well. And if you believe, like Kevin said, you when you start saving, you should have a picture for what do we think we're going to use this money for because you're going to have to set your investment decisions. How are you going to invest these dollars? If you feel very confident, yeah, we're going to be using this money in six years because we, we feel like the child's going to be going to private school, then that's going to influence your investment decisions. But just like you said, you're not going to have a perfect picture. You're going to need to adapt. And oftentimes, I, I can't remember who it was, Mitch Anthony maybe, you, get, um, you don't pay your financial advisor to build the plan. You pay them to change the plan because your life is going to adjust and adapt and, and the financial decisions and the advice needs to adapt as well. And so... So just be aware that this decision to, well, I'm going to use this money for college or K through 12, or maybe a blend of both is going to influence your investment decisions that it should. Okay. Work with your CFP on that. And then second is if you're using a state's plan that offers a state benefit, you need to double check and see if, well, do I lose the state benefit if I withdraw the money for K through 12? And you might say, 
What? That's ridiculous. The federal government in 2017 just said I could use this for K through 12. Of course I get the state benefit. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Not not so fast. There is a separation between uh, Fed and state. And so there's a list of states, California, Colorado, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, Montana, Nebraska. That's not all. New York. That's not all of them. But that's the list of states that, well, if you use it for K through 12, you might not get our state benefits. Indiana has a very rich tax incentive, and they've actually said, yeah, with using the 529 plan for K through 12 is still a qualified expense. You don't need to pay back the tax credit. Not so with this third plan or with this third way to use a 529 plan. For my entire career, Kevin, yours as well, Josh, yours as well, people would say, hey, I, I'm saving up in this 529 plan, but I want my kid to have some responsibility. So they, they're going to take on some student loans. Can I use my 529 plan to pay off the student loans? And the answer was always no. And then I, you maybe have gotten this, guys. Then they look at you like, are you dumb? <laughs> you, this 529 plan is for college. Student loans are for college. Why, why can't I use my 529 plan to pay on these student loans? And then you say... It's not me that's dumb. It's Congress. <laughs> no, so, so Sometimes both. Sometimes both. Uh, the SECURE Act 1.0, not 2.0, SECURE Act 1.0 actually opened these rules up a little bit. And with some limitations, guys, let's get into it. You can use your FITRIAN plan to help with some student loans. What are those rules? Yeah, this felt like a game changer because it, it means that you're less likely to get a bunch of money stuck, like extra dollars stuck in a, in a 529 plan after your kid is done with school and everything. But they now allow you to pull $10,000 per student or per borrower, I guess we would use the word beneficiary, yep. out of the 529 plan over their lifetime and put it towards those student loans. So if they were borrowing money, uh, maybe believing that they needed to along the way, but then maybe qualified for a scholarship or worked some extra summer hours and, and they ended up actually not needing as much of those student loans as, as they originally thought, and all of a sudden you've got extra dollars in the 529 plan, you can take some of that money out, put uh, ten grand down on the student loans, and accelerate the repayment date that way. Most states, Indiana is one of them, this is not a qualified withdrawal, meaning uh, you you would have to pay back the state tax credit. So you can't you can't be listening to this right now saying, oh, I've got student loans. Um, maybe I'll fund my 529 plan, get a tax credit, and then use this money for student loans. But actually, I know you're not thinking that because coincidentally, this law changed at the very end of 2019, went in effect 1-1 of 2020, and no one has paid a dime on their student loans really since then almost. Of course, I'm joking, but we're still in limbo on this thing. And no, that's not joking. So No, people aren't. Aren't, aren't paying. Haven't been required to. It's, it's been, been deferred for a long, long, long time because of the cough. So whenever <laughs> whenever this normalizes, and who knows what that means, just know that you can use ten grand per beneficiary, not per account or per owner, per beneficiary over their lifetime to help pay down student loans. All right. I said there's four. There's four ways to use the 529 plan, and the last one is the most wild, and it's the most recent. We're going to share that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Can a 529 plan, can, can an educational savings account be augmented 
and, and adapted to actually help with retirement? Believe it or not, never thought I'd say it. That answer is yes. We're going to explain how. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode, as well as a lot of other content, is on the Wise Money YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop a new episode, talk show, which you're listening to right now, but also lots of other content every single day. We are dropping Next Wise Step tips and suggestions. So make sure you go check that out on YouTube. Wise Money Show. Okay, we're talking about the four different ways that you can now use a 529 plan. This last one is brand new. It's not even in play yet, but guys, it influenced how I used my 529 plan. I made changes in response to these changes. Before we get into that, Kevin, there was one other honorable mention you mentioned that we we haven't, we didn't comment on yet a use case for the 529 plan. What is that? Well, that's for homeschooling. And uh through the uh, shutdowns and lockdowns or whatever you want to call them, uh, there was there was a proliferation of homeschooling. Mm. And now with even some of the social issues in the schools, there's uh, more and more homeschooling happening. So the question is, can I use my 529 plan and th- for that? And I would say consult your tax advisor and really your financial planner because um, there are some states where it is universally considered a private school. If you're homeschooling, it's private schooling. And at some point in time, who knows, there might be this concept that that the the money, I think this is true in Arizona, the money goes with the student. So wherever the student goes, that's where the money goes. Um, but that doesn't matter. The, the idea is that you can use it for curriculum, textbooks, supplies, and computers. And again, with the, the exemptions uh, or the rules applied to this, you can't use it for transportation. Or, Started. We started the show talking about how you, the Wise Money Show is a show about financial planning. And I mean, the 529 plan, this is an investment tool, but it also is for a long-term goal. It helps or it's using your cash flow, present financial position. But you've got to understand the tax rules and the varying tax rules, therefore tax planning. So right there, that is four of the six areas of your financial life. And we haven't even talked about the unique way that the 529 plan is treated with your estate plan. So right there, square in the center, right between the eyes, this impacts five of the six areas of your financial life. So therefore, to know if you're using it the best way or the most appropriate way for your financial situation, you've got to be working with a CFP that's looking at all six areas of your financial life. And and certainly because of this last reason, we share that 529 plans at a federal level, the way they're structured, it's after tax money that you put in. So it's not a tax benefit federally. Some states offer some if you use their plan and, and live in that state. All the activity in that account then is tax sheltered. And then the growth on that, if you withdraw that for a qualified reason, then it comes out tax free. Sounds a lot like the Roth IRA. Sure does. We've even yep. said the cal- the 529 plan, it's the Roth IRA, but for college. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. It can be the Roth IRA for the Roth IRA. <laughs> the pre-Roth IRA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So in the Secure Act 2.0, which you w- w- knew it as an omnibus spending bill, uh, passed on conveniently Christmas Eve, as I'm trying to enjoy Christmas Eve brunch with the family. I pull out the phone and I see this thing passed and Cindy's like, Mike, put that down. (laughs) And I'm just blown away that, you know, they've been, you know, positioning for this all last year and they actually did pass it right at the end of the year. 
And it now allows a 529 to Roth IRA transfer. Not yet, but coming up. So what are the rules? And w- what do we know? What do we not know? You, you, actually, I'm still stuck at the Bernard family Christmas because I'm thinking Cindy's saying, Mike, put the phone down and go cut the fruitcake like I asked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you fruitcake? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Josh, what are the rules? Wow, I'm lost. I know. Right that's now, what that- I'm saying. You, you had me a Bernard family Christmas. I just can see Mike with the Santa beard on and and the pillows stuffed up his shirt. So here's the thing. like This doesn't even go into effect until next year, right? 2024, I, yeah. January 1st is the first time that you'll be able to pull off this little maneuver. But it's essentially, they're, they're allowing you to take money out of a 529 plan and transfer it, I think is the word they're going to use, transfer it into a Roth IRA but it's treated as a contribution, basically. Yeah. So Roth IRAs, you're limited in how much you're allowed to contribute each year. Um, it, you're you're going to be capped. You can't just transfer all $30,000 out of your uh, 529 plan. Were you going to say something? Well, no. So you're capped at $10,000, right? No. No. No, whatever your contribution limit is. Wait, what was Okay. My, okay. Keep going. Okay. Just checking. Good. So you passed. It, if, if that student, um, you know earned five grand per year or something um, while they were in school. The year that they come out of school, hopefully they're earning a, a salary and and will be able to max out a Roth IRA that year. But each year you're allowed to contribute. And when you've hit $35,000 worth of contributions over time, then you're done. Yeah, that's it. So in the meantime, the, the dollars stay in the 529 plan. They keep on growing tax sheltered and, and so on. But uh, I actually had a client um, just during tax season where we discovered, hey, this may actually be a solution for them. Yep. They have a daughter who's been out of school for about three or four years, and there's been extra money sitting in the 529 plan just continuing to grow, just mm-hmm. uh, letting it uh, c- continue to be tax deferred and everything. They've been holding on to it, wondering whether or not she was going to go back to grad school. And I think she definitively told her parents, no, nah, I'm not going back to grad school. And so the question came up during a tax meeting, okay, what kind of tax hit are we going to have on this? And I was able to share with them, actually, there's a brand new rule uh, that is going to go into effect next year. And your daughter may be able to start shifting this money to a Roth IRA, which they were just, you know, so excited about because they are big fans of the the Roth IRA. So it's per beneficiary. It's 35000 per beneficiary in the beneficiary's lifetime. That's right. Here's, and so, I mean, with inflation and the way it's going, it won't be long before that will be like an annual the contribution. The annual contribution limit. Uh, okay, so here's okay. why I made a change to my family's 529 plan this year because of this rule. In the rule, what 529 plans are eligible for this transfer? Well, there's two requirements. And one is the 529 plan needs to have been open for 15 years. Well, we've got three kids. No one's going to college anytime soon. So I've just used one account because we like Carrington the most. And I try to tell the boys that as often as I can. No, I, because she's the oldest. So, okay, well, she'll use that. And then, you know, when we get close, then we'll open one for the second child and transfer some into his name, blah, blah, blah. But no, if it's a if there's a 15-year clock, let's get that clock started. That's right. So we opened, I opened uh, 529 plans for each of the boys to start that 15-year clock. That's one requirement. You might want to make that change this year. Second thing is the money that's eligible to be transferred to the Roth IRA cannot be a contribution that was made in the previous five years, nor a growth on that contribution. 
which we spoke to folks at our state's plan just recently, and they said, yeah, their uh, their their auditing or, or record keeping, I should say, isn't even set up to be able to track that right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a big qualifier on whether you'll even be able to do this once you're allowed to, because states are just scrambling to 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 keep up and and be able to make this uh, available. So be aware of that that you might want to start that 15 year clock and start funding it more now so that you've got more dollars in there and you won't have to you know be be limited by that contributions made in the previous five years that's right so you alluded to something there that everyone needs to keep in mind with the 529 plans this has been um you know one of the flexibilities one of the options for planning purposes that have been around since the beginning but with all these new uh, opportunities to shift money around and use it for something other than college, that kind of thing, you might lose track of the fact that you can change the beneficiary on a 529 plan as well. Yeah. So if there are extra dollars left over in a 529 plan and uh, that that student is done with college, they're not going to go on to grad school and use up the rest of the money, yeah, you could cash it in and maybe pay some taxes and penalties on the growth. Or maybe you use one of these options that we talked about, putting it towards a, a student loan or contributing it to a Roth IRA. But keep in mind, there may be another family member coming on their heels who still needs some help with college as well. Yeah. You can always change that beneficiary once a year and uh, essentially roll the money down to another family member who will use it up for college expenses again. Even if you had it set aside for a child, maybe a future grandchild, something like that. But there's lots of planning implications and ways that you can plan with the 529 plan. It's not just for college anymore. Make sure you're working with your certified financial planner on these rules and how they influence your financial vision and, and direction and financial decisions that you're making work with your CFP. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. You know what a better show would be? 529 ways to use the 529. Oh, there you go. So we'll start with just college expenses, and we'll talk about... We We gotta go quick, guys. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.